0: On this AV Nation special, we sat down with our buddy Paul Richards from PTZ Optics and Stream Geeks talking about creating virtual events and his steps to creating great ROI. All that and more next on this AV Nation special. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is, is AV, AV Nation. Nation. This
1: is AV Nation.
0: This is an Aviation special, producing virtual events. It's Tim Albright with an Aviation special. Uh, with me today is my buddy and pal, Mr. Paul Richards from PTZ Optics, but also you know him from Stream Geeks. Welcome, sir.
1: Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me today.
0: Absolutely. So, so you and I hung out uh, actually quite a lot during the summer. Um, you did an event uh, called the Present Summit, um, you had a lot of folks on. Joe Pine was on um You have already uh, had already written a book um, about virtual events. Let's take a look, kind of a, a step back here for the, the year of 2020. And I'm not going to replay the entire year because, first of all, nobody needs that, but also it's kind of boring. But take a look at where we are and kind of what we've learned from the virtual side. And we're going to we'll talk to a little bit about the virtual event side, but really the folks working at home or the folks working remotely but also corporations and companies how they're able to best leverage the technology that's currently available and maybe a little bit that's coming down the pipeline but let's start start with the individual and the folks that are still either working from home they're not in the office or maybe they're hybrid what have we learned from this year to say okay these are best practices these are you know the areas that that we are able to you know improve our video improve our audio improve our lighting maybe even But what are some things that that you're still talking to folks about and and advising them on ways to make the experience better for the remote worker?
1: Well, for remote workers, um, you know, everyone's starting to understand the power of video conferencing um, as a necessity. Uh, We have folks who we've just hired who have never gotten that office culture. They've never shaken hands or met in person with the support team, with the engineers, with the sales guys. And, it's a little strange for those people who are trying to you know, be part of a company and reach out to friends. So they're realizing that face-to-face communications, actually seeing people really helps you put that face in your, in your mind when you're calling them, when you're chatting them, when you're emailing them, when you're collaborating on Slack and all these tools. So there's a lot of tools available, but video is the one that really pulls everybody together. So obviously, I think most people have realized at this point that we got to turn our webcams on. Right. We start to see each other clearly. Now, for those salespeople, for those marketing people, it starts to become more and more important to have good lighting, have a professional space, have, you know, feel good on camera, look good on camera. And when we start talking about virtual events, now we're taking that to a whole nother level where we're saying, we're not just meeting with four or five people here, we're trying to meet with hundreds of people, we're trying to replace an in-person conference experience and that's where the bar really gets uh, raised where we need to really look professional and deliver an immersive experience and i have some experience you know we've done that a lot successfully and there's a lot to, uh, to be learned um, in that space so i'm excited to talk about it
0: well let's let's, let's chat about that part for a second you you meant, you used a phrase that I, I that some folks will use in marketing but when the experience happens it's not exactly that and that's the immersive part right you, you can you can you can create a TV channel, right? Let, let's just start there. Um, you You can certainly get a microphone, get a get a a, a camera, um, turn on some lights, and you can stream out to folks. and and you know if somebody's watching great groovy, if not, you know, no big deal. Uh, it's kind of the, the definition of of old school broadcasting. What you're talking about though, is is a completely different setup though. the The immersive part, the back and forth, the two- way communication. Uh, not just the one to many, but the many back to the one to to, to give that that kind of feedback when you are, when you 're looking to help create or you're advising somebody else, how would you define an immersive experience when it comes to virtual
1: Well, the first thing that I would mention, and i you mentioned the book I, I wrote the, the virtual ticket, and a lot of what I wrote in this book came from. Joe Pine's book, The Experience Economy, is that Im- the immersive experience is just one part of a total experience. So, when you're thinking about setting up a virtual event, what you're really doing is you're designing time. You're designing the time that your attendees will hopefully enjoy spending with you. And the immersive part, the two way communication, the engaging part, that's one very important part of events. We all love shaking hands and talking to people, but it is just one part. And especially today, we have to remember that the first step to people getting engaged and want to even think about asking a question or be getting immersive is a passive viewer, right? Where folks are absorbing information and deciding whether the time that they're spending is well spent. So, there's the biggest problem with virtual events today is that they're not, that most of them are not delivering a good ROI. And they've given virtual events kind of, they've given attendees a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth a lot of times. You know, should I really be spending a whole day, you know, just absorbing information in a passive one way, you know, um, situation? Or how can I get immersive? So, yes, getting immersive is important, but there's this whole tier and step of, you know, getting the focus getting the attention, making people feel like they're spending their time in a good way and a responsible way if they're doing so on the clock in a nine to five format. So they're getting the education, you know, you're providing them the value that you've promised. And then once you've delivered on a lot of different steps that we can talk about, then they go immersive. And that's where the balance starts to tip and go, whoa, I went from learning to absorbing all this great information passively watching to then actively talking and asking questions and all of this but it's i believe it's like a step it's a stair-step process that as a virtual event designer starts all the way at the beginning in the planning stages
0: well let's talk about you mentioned roi let's talk about you know delivering roi not just for the the exhibiting company let's call them right The, the people that are putting that on but also for the people attending, right? Because you mentioned something that, that you know, nine to five, absolutely, there's, there's certainly um, the vast majority, I would, I would probably argue, um, of events currently right now are during what we call the workday, right? Regardless of what time zone you're in, typically it's going to be sometime within your workday. Um, but there are some, though, that are, that are after hours. And so the, not only do the employers have to make sure that, that there's good ROI for the employees they are allowing to step away from their virtual desk, step away from their jobs, but also for the people there that, that are, you know, that are investing time and, and, and sometimes money, depending on on the event, what is the biggest, you know, way that we can kind of, you know, make sure that, that there is ROI for the attendees and for those attendees companies to make sure that that makes sense for them to, to allow them to kind of step away for a minute?
1: Well, I think right from the very beginning in the planning stages, you need to be thinking about the value that you are going to be delivering. And everyone has some value. Generally, it's, it's educational. Um, you know, maybe it's transformational and then we can talk about what a transformation is. That's kind of like the highest level of value that you can deliver someone. Not only did you educate them, but you transformed their thinking in order for them to take action and feel inspired and, you know, really kind of reach to achieve more. And that's, that's the ultimate goal of these virtual, of any event is to really just change people's perspective, educate them and, and really deliver something that you couldn't learn on your own. Um, so that's the ultimate, you know, return on investment. You go to an event and you come back saying, wow, I didn't think of it that way. I'm such a, uh, you know, I'm a better person. I'm more inspired. It, that was an unforgettable experience. That's what we strive for. But most event planners are used to doing that in person. And so yeah. it's been a very difficult thing for traditional conferences, for regular businesses who are very much used to shaking hands putting on a show, building a a giant trade show booth to switch all of that virtual. So I've got some great ideas that we can talk about, about how to deliver the steps of gaining attention, focus, engaging, educating, entertaining, and invoking reactions and getting people to that point of a transformational experience. But let's talk about ROI, right? So the return is education, transformational experience. What's the investment? So one investment is time. And then the other investment is maybe actually paying for a ticket. And I think that it's a good idea to charge at least some value to put a dollar amount on the value that you're going to deliver. Um, and we, I would like to talk a little bit about that and pricing structures and strategies, because as soon as you pay money, you're saying, I value this. So internally, you're going, this is worth at least X for me because I believe in what I'm being pitched. Now the virtual event manager's job in the very beginning is to market this event. And so for a lot of virtual events you know they're they're talking about you know what what is this transformational experience that you're going to deliver how are you going to do it virtually? Is it one way is it just a bunch of Zoom calls right? Is it or yeah. do you have a virtual event platform that allows for social media connectivity and breakout rooms and things of that nature? But in general I think that from the very beginning, the the thinking around how you are portraying the value to attendees, it kind of gets a little, um, people aren't doing a great job of explaining what the virtual experience is going to be. A lot of these events are pitched as if it's going to be in person and it's not in person, it's virtual. So people need to truly understand that. One great way that I've seen events do this from the very beginning is to have an email template that is an email to the attendees boss explaining why they should be taking a day or a half day or two hours out of their day to attend this virtual event. And so if I was in a a virtual event planner, that's where I would start. I would write an email to the attendees boss And say this is from the attendee to his boss or her boss and say, this is why I need to take four hours out of my day. This is what's going to happen. This is how I'm going to actively participate. This is going to be the takeaway. And this is why I need X amount of dollars from the company to buy a ticket. And then not only are you getting the buy-in from the attendee, because he's asking him or her is asking his boss for their time, but he's also asking possibly for a financial obligation to say yes. From the boss, spend fifty dollars on this ticket. Uh, I approve that because the value looks like it's there. Now it's on the attendees' job to get that value out of the event.
0: Yeah, certainly, absolutely. So let, let's kind of break down some of these things. Let's let's stay on, on on pricing for a second. And you mentioned the fact that that asking people for for that investment, right? Not just the time investment, also the money investment. So there there are some certain schools of thoughts with, that say absolutely, you know, uh, folks that that tend to, to pay a ticket tend to, you know, that there's a higher retention rate, I guess is the, is the industry uh, uh, vernacular there. So let's talk about pricing uh, strategies, right? I mean, obviously, you know, no, I shouldn't say nobody, there, there are very few folks that, that, you know, you would have to create a, a stupendous stipend, a uh, event for it to be $1,000 a ticket or $2,000 a ticket. Uh, but also you go all, all the way down to like, well, I'll change it, I'll charge a dollar, right? Well, there, there's, that you know, that, that almost is, is basically free. So, what are the structures? What are the strategies that you that when you when you talk to folks, how do you advise them on on making sure that you find that that balance?
1: Well, in general, when we look at the overall economy, you know, the, there's basically commodities, right, which are just low-priced goods that you know you can't really add value on; it's just a commodity. Then you have goods and services, and they start to become more expensive because they're being customized for the customer. And services, you know, in the pro AV space, we think about Design and installation around goods and commodities. But then, on top of goods and services, the way that Joseph Pine looks at the experience economy is above goods and services are experiences and transformations. I mean, there's a reason why when there were concerts, people would pay $100, $200 to see their favorite musician, way more than the CD costs. It's the same music but the experience with that music is live and it's interactive and it's engaging and it's a group communal, amazing transformational experience when you go to a concert. And so it is, you know, you can charge for it and you should, and money is used to amplify the experience. So it's very common to spend money for things that you think are going to be of value to you. So, When we're trying to think about this realistically, I think that you have to think about, look, if the in-person ticket is $1,000, is the virtual experience truly going to be the same value as the in-person experience? Maybe not. Now, it's interesting to think about this from two points of view. One is the attendee. And the other point of view is actually the exhibitor and the, the sponsors who generally spend the most money on these events the sponsors the exhibitors they can spend tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. paying the event managers for the exposure that they offer with the attendees so there's two different people we're looking at here and there's a balance so it depends on every virtual event's different but you know would it be w- could the entire virtual event be subsidized by sponsors are there four or five sponsors that are willing to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for the exposure that your event offers and therefore allowing you to lower the ticket prices. Even if that is true, I still think it's it's a good idea to offer some type of VIP access because people are willing to pay money to amplify their experiences. And if you're not offering a paid option, you are totally missing out on just the way that humans like to spend their money in order to gain exclusive access. So with the present summit, and I know you were part of this, we had a free option, which was the live stream that's available on YouTube and Facebook to maximize the exposure of our event, which worked out really well. We had thousands of viewers online and we engaged with that social media content and a lot of shares and comments, you know, boosted our organic search engine optimization and social media platform or, uh, algorithm exposure. But then we also offered paid options, which allow either sponsors to pay or VIP access to speakers after they present or breakout collaboration Zoom sessions, which we found very helpful. And in those spaces, the people that pay, they get the most out of the event because they're committed, they show up. They're there because they got it approved. And, you know, it's really interesting. Virtual events are all over the map right now. Um, You got to think about the value that you're going to deliver. Think about your target audience and how much are they willing to pay uh, because they do want to pay. They do value, they should value your virtual event. And so you should offer a paid exclusive virtual experience.
0: Well, let's, let's talk about creating that virtual event. So, so when you're, if, if, if I am a man, I'm a manufacturer, I'm a, I'm just somebody, right. Who wants to create a virtual event. Um, Walk me through those steps, right? What, what are not just the first, the the first question you're going to ask, but also, you know, what are the steps that that you would advise walking me through when in creating a, a virtual event?
1: Well, uh, of course, there's a lot of upfront work, right? You need to have a great website. The website itself needs to be compelling. It needs to explain the value that you're going to deliver. It needs to be compelling enough for someone to click the buy now button, or at least the register for a free, you know, live stream pass um, to get people involved. So in the beginning, what you're doing is you're enticing, right? You are generating excitement. You're trying to gain attention. You're trying to get those attendees to email their bosses for approval for their time, so there's obviously a lot of upfront work. And you know what, the way events work, Tim. You know it's it's a, it's about promotion, right? Think about the promoters that are giving out handing out tickets on the corner um, in Las Vegas or any major city to an event. It's the same thing now, but it's all digital. It's all virtual, and there's a million ways to use Facebook and Google and all of those things to get the attention that you need. If you're a small company or a manufacturer in the pro AV space, it's a great idea to partner up with other companies who have audiences. So with the present summit, you know, we brought on Staren Marketing, a really great distribution company from the Midwest who was able to invite all of their partners. We partnered with NewTek, we partnered with Zoom, we partnered with, you know, maybe 10 or 15 other companies. Each one of those people had a chance to speak They had a chance to have sponsorships and together with 10 to 15 other companies that really helped generate the excitement. Everyone used their social media platforms and we came together to get the enticing. But from there, one way I like to think about it is almost like a traditional theater um, because Mm. we're here to be, people generally are joining these virtual events for education but they like to be educated in a modern way that really mixes education and entertainment. So we, we really do kind of want to entertain them. I mean, look at any show that you ever pay to go to, whether it's the Grammys to watch it on television or, you know, a concert, there's, there's some entertainment, right? There's an MC, there's fun way of introducing the educational events that are about to unfold. So, What I like to think about is once you've enticed them, once you've got their attention, once you have them there, there's a process of setting the stage. And for Zoomtopia, for example, setting the stage for Zoomtopia, they had a beautiful custom website that you rode in on a whale in the middle of the clouds. And then you are presented with an island that you're able to explore. And that virtual immersive website was setting the stage for this Zoomtopia experience where you could actually go into these different elements of the virtual event and learn and choose your own journey. That's one interesting way to do it. But no matter how you do it, you're setting the stage and eventually you're going to draw the curtain. And you're going to draw the curtain and for the Zoomtopia Eric Yuan the CEO comes out right so, you, so you've set the stage you're drawing the curtain and the audience is starting to get prepared to be part of that very first impression that's so important to for them to decide whether everybody's one click away Tim from oh, yeah. let's just watch this on YouTube Yeah absolutely right so so we're set it's that entice and and stage setting part of it is so so important and that's why Lighting comes into play. Cameras come into play. Um, having a beautiful studio comes into play. Um, but then from there, you've set the stage. Now it's time to engage. Now it's time to introduce drama. Now it's time to tell a joke. Now it's time to start ascending toward some type of climax where people go, "Wow!" Like I, like I'm about to climb this mountain with the CEO of Zoom. You know, it's been a Rocky Road, right? I mean, it's it's been a crazy six months, and now he's going to explain the good and the bad. And 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 it's it's important to kind of extend to a climax, which could be um multiple different panels, it could be pre-recorded videos, it could be engaging with viewers and comments. There's a million ways to kind of extend, but it should be exciting, it should be fun. You're extending to this awesome thing. Maybe it's a massive giveaway. Maybe there's a grand prize, some sort of amazing thing that everyone has come to see, a keynote speaker, uh, Dave Matthews band played at Zoomtopia. And then when you get to that climax, you, know, you want to re- you, you plan that, right? If we're talking about designing a virtual event, you should know as an event planner, where is that spot that everyone's waiting for? We're, we're, we're going to this place. And then you want to coast into a resolution, what, is, what do you want your virtual event attendees to take away from this? You know, do you want them to buy your product? Do you want them to think about talking to your salespeople because now they've better understand your service in the context of what they've just learned? Um, so you coast into this resolution. And you've heard this one, Tim, but you want to make a classy exit, right? You've heard about that. Drop the mic. Make a, make a, make a splashy exit. Um, and then from there, you know, you want to impress, you want to surprise, you want to thrill. And then you want to extend a little bit. You want to push the limits. You want to go the extra mile. This is where you have those virtual swag bags. This is where you introduce all of your attendees to a LinkedIn networking group where it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, the event's over, but it was so amazing. And now you have all these virtual friends, all these attendees you can collaborate with them all year long in a Facebook group, in a LinkedIn space. Here's that additional extension of something that is real. And we have a presence summit group on LinkedIn that's quite active. And so these Facebook groups, these networking spaces, these virtual events can just become a catalyst for so much more. And again, I think that's another spot where virtual events, they think, you know, it's over. Okay. It's over. Goodbye. When it should be some, it's so much easier to do a virtual event than an in event. Maybe they should be more frequent and maybe they should be part of something larger that builds an ecosystem of collaboration and, um, you know, teamwork and all those things that come with uh, networking.
0: That was a lot. So <laughs> let's, let, we'll, we'll, we'll let folks kind of unpack that. Um, as we wrap up here, though, I, one last thing, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Um, you PTZ optics, but also stream geeks, and, and and if you're not familiar with stream geeks, you need to follow them on on, on YouTube. Really, really great, great, great content. Um, talk for a second about how you guys have a or, or, or have been able to to leverage not just the cameras, because obviously PTZ optics, that's what you do, but also you know that kind of the interactivity and that that connection, real real time connection, with not just your audience but also potential clients existing clients and how you've been able to 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 leverage kind of that that daily and, and that weekly interactivity um to help others to help you know to help kind of uh, advise folks um from you know who's, who's been, who've been using your product or looking to use your product you know you guys have really taken not not just the the virtual side the virtual events but also the daily interactivity and the daily kind of the the shows and then it's not just a TV show; it's not just broadcast. You really are talking to folks in real time. Those that are, that are watching you. So, how did you guys kind of evolve into that? And what would you say if, if somebody's looking to do that, kind of in their space? Obviously, in your space, you make cameras, so it makes sense. But you know, in their space, you know, maybe that 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 doesn't make sense. But something else where they're able to to have a, a touch point for their clients.
1: Well, live streaming has become incredibly popular for that reason. Exactly, Tim. It's that authentic communication with audiences all around the world. Now at a high level, let's be honest, this is part of our sales funnel, right? We're a business. We want to get people in touch with us. We want to educate them about our products, but we want to answer their questions. So something that I find interesting for a lot of businesses is that they don't seem to realize that a comment on a YouTube video is a real person. You should respond to them. A comment on a Facebook you know, post is a real person. You should respond to them. Responding to them is the most valuable thing that you can do. And surprisingly, I even just learned that recently. And I would say it's the new normal. It is the new normal of communicating with the, the world at large when it comes to your brand. It's normal for someone to post a comment on YouTube on a YouTube video about the content inside of that YouTube video. It's the normal way to passively engage. And then your job is to get them to go from passive engagement to actively thinking about your business and engaging with you. And it does take some skill of prompting that engagement. So if you're going to make a YouTube video about your product, maybe you should say, comment below and let us know what you think about this. And uh, actually invoke that engagement, because what's happened for us, and this can happen for any business, is that when you get a large enough audience, like we have about 25,000 YouTube subscribers, once you start to get around five or 10,000 subscribers, you get enough people watching your content, your live streams, your videos, and commenting that you get this beautiful golden loop where you ask a question, they answer it. The customers give you the features that they want to see in your next product your customers guide you to the partnerships that you should be thinking about. We release a new camera, the comments come in right away and they say, well, does it work with Wirecast? Does it work with OBS? Does it work with vMix? We know what our customers want just by reading the comments. Go ahead and engage with those people. Those are your customers. Those are your potential customers. It's not a world today where I don't think cold calling is as effective as it was 10 years ago. So there's this really big flip of inbound marketing as opposed to outbound marketing. And everyone's got to modernize. And this is just one important part of a huge modernization of communications that's going on.
0: All right, That would be a good place to stop. Although he did mention three soft pieces of software that we should totally have Paul back on to talk about. So that now we the wirecast, the VMix, and the and the OBS. So Mr. Paul Richards, thank you, sir. Uh, from PTZ Optics, how do people get a hold of you or PTZ Optics or Stream Geeks?
1: Well, feel free to email me directly at Paul.richards at PTZoptics.com. I still have just about enough emails that I like to still respond to them all. Um, but of course, we 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 check our Facebook, you know, we answer YouTube comments. So check out, check out our content and be part of that amazing community that we have because we respond. And it's, it's something that everyone should think about because uh, you'll see. Leave a comment on one of our YouTube channels and you'll see, maybe it's not me, but it's someone on our team responding and, and you'll kind of be part of that beautiful loop that is Modern Communications
0: yeah absolutely uh, paul Richards from pdz optics thank you sir uh for us for Aviation, go by our website avianation.tv that's avianation.tv you'll find programs like this and a host of others including our two weekly news programs av week that looks at the commercial side of the space and resi week that looks at the residential side all that and more at That's avianation.tv